welcome to the Thrive Today podcast. I'm Natalie Bourne. I'm the media host for Thrive Today, and I'm the founder of Innovation Meets Leadership. Our primary goal at Thrive is to help you identify the authority of God's word and connect it with your success at work. Well, today we're speaking with Beth Jones. For 30 years, she has actually been a pastor, a speaker, and a writer, and she co-pastors with her husband, Jeff. Um, she is an author and she's written over 20 books aimed at helping people get the basics. I'm so excited for her to talk to us today about women in leadership. Welcome to the podcast, Beth. Thank you, Natalie. It's super great to be with you and all the listeners and just glad to be here. Well, you know what? You had this great article in our most recent Thrive Today journal where you talked about a conference you had attended. And you said after being at that conference, you actually had this moment where you kind of rethought about being a woman in leadership. And I would love for you just to open up by telling us a little bit about this story, which is also connected to one of, one of your new books. Sure. Absolutely. Well, you know, it was one of those one of those frustrating yet sort of aha moments. I was at a conference, a pastor's conference with my husband, and we have you know, co-founded and co-pastored our church since 1991, just celebrated 30 years. Awesome. So here we were at this conference, you know, this is many years ago, and they invited all the senior pastors to go to this special meeting where they were going to talk strategy and you know, multi-site campuses and small groups. And that's really where I wanted to be. But I was, quote, the pastor's wife. And so all the pastor's wives were going to go shopping. Oh. Nothing wrong with shopping. I love shopping. But I really wanted to be in the strategy meeting. But I was I was resigned. You know, I'll just go shopping. It'll be great. My husband said, no, you're coming with me to this to this session. You're a senior pastor. You work with me. And I was doing more of the strategy at that time anyways. So anyways, I went to the meeting. And I really felt like a fish out of water. And I don't even think they knew what to do with me. This was sort of, it's gotten a lot better for women in leadership in the church, but they kind of looked at me like, why are you here? And I just felt, you know, the daggers and, and that nobody meant it. I, I didn't feel anybody was like intentionally being rude to me or targeting me, but it just was that feeling, mm -hmm. you know, feeling invisible. And so I just kind of sat silent and I just wanted to get out of there as fast as possible. And afterwards I said, no, this is ridiculous. I've been, we've been pastoring and leading for at that time, probably 10 or 15 years. I could probably run circles around some of the guys in that room at the time. And yet here I was feeling so intimidated and so small and it just wasn't right. Yeah. And I said, Lord, you know, this is just frustrating. I'm, I'm going to follow your call because I you know, want to live for an audience of one, mm -hmm. but I want to, I want to put something down on paper for my own benefit and for the benefit of the next generation of women to look at the Bible and what does the Bible say about women in leadership and in pastoring and in a number one or two slot? Like let's, for my own benefit, let's, let's solidify the biblical understanding. And that really birthed a book I wrote called Breaking Through the Stained Glass Ceiling. What does the Bible really say about women in leadership in the church? And that's a big one because, you know, women can be in leadership in government, in medicine, in right. lots of things. But when it came to the church, boy, the stained glass ceiling was very strong. And anyways, last thing I'll say is the goal wasn't for me or even in writing the book and talking about the subject. I don't think for any of us, the goal is to be some kind of a she-man or to be some kind of, a, you know, boisterous, overpowering person. It's more just to stand tall in the gifts and callings that God has put on our lives. So anyways, there's my story. Okay. Well, I'm going to pause right there on that story and say this, you know, I've talked to so many women and I've, you know, I've been in, in church and a Christian for over 20 years. And 
I've heard so many women say, I'm not going to give the church my gifts because I don't, as a woman, I don't even know where I could put, like, where, where can I go to give them? But in the business world, I can go all out and I can attain the highest levels that, that I could possibly dream of. But in church, I just don't, I feel, you know, stifled or silenced. And so I think that there, there's an important uh, message in what you're saying here and in something that we need to step back and understand. I feel like sometimes the church can be about 10 years behind where everybody else is in terms of, of some of these topics. And so I would love for you just to go a little bit deeper because I think some women are, are listening, thinking, Hey, that's me. I, I, I feel that. Totally. Well, I agree with you. And it's so sad because the church has been so robbed of these amazing, gifted, called women who didn't feel celebrated or even like acknowledged. And so they said, well, I can be a brain surgeon then. I can be an astronaut. I'll run for senator. I'll be an entrepreneur. I'll do all these things where I will be accepted. And yet the church loses out on those gifts, as you said. I was just with some people recently this last week, brilliant, brilliant men in the technology sector. And they're using their gifts for the gospel, which is wonderful. But I mean, they are brilliant, like genius level. They're doing some really cool, innovative things. And I just thought, Lord, we need so many more people like this, both in ministry and in the secular marketplace, men and women that have these amazing gifts and feel they can use them for the gospel and for furthering God's purposes. And so, you know, I think we're still breaking through a lot of stained glass ceilings, but my encouragement is stay sweet, stay grace filled, stay confident, but keep plowing, keep on plowing through and don't let what other people define you as stop you. If God's called you, if you've got gifts, which we all do, then utilize those gifts in the most effective way that you can. I know that in that meeting room, when you were probably the only woman in there and you just felt people kind of turning and looking at you and thinking, well, why is she in here? How did you find the courage to, to stay in that room? I mean, some of, you know, some, some of us may have just kind of uh, sleeked out, right? Like (laughs) just slowly started to back away and then leave. But how did you find the courage to stay in that room? And then what would you tell other women who are maybe the only woman at the table? How do they find the courage to, to stay? Well, I think some other women are much more courageous than I was in that moment, to be honest. And I say, good for you. Be strong, be sweet, all the things, you know, be grace filled. But but ultimately, your gift will make a way. And, and I always knew that. I always knew, even if you know you get flack, which I, I've gotten a lot of you know comments over the years, as have all women in ministry. You know, why does she teach? The Bible says women shouldn't teach and you know, all those things. And I always felt like, you know, the truth is the fruit will speak for itself. And I don't have to defend myself. I don't have to like beat a drum. I don't have to be hard or harsh. Just stay gracious in your gift. And that's what I would encourage people to do. I wasn't that courageous that day. Honestly, I let it get to me and I just shrunk. I just shrunk in the chair and became invisible. I was sitting next to my husband. I let him kind of be the the rep for us. But I would say to women, "Don't, don't do what I did that day. Be stronger. And your gift will make a way. When you speak, people will listen. When you write, people will read. You know, when you strategize, people will see, oh, wow, there's a gift there. There's some wisdom there. So I'm telling people to do maybe what I didn't do that day, but. 
be courageous because God's got you. I love that. And you know what? I, I think there's courage in staying, staying in the room. I, I do, because it would be very easy to walk out. You know, I think about what you said and, and just how, hey, there are all these examples in the Bible of women who have led. And I would love for, for you just to spend some time with us talking about, like, what are some of the women in the Bible that inspire you as you're thinking about your own personal leadership journey? Sure. Well, I mean, one big inspiration for me personally was Priscilla. Because Aquila and Priscilla were a husband-wife team in teaching and in pastoring, which my husband and I have, have been that way as well. So I found a lot of courage from Priscilla because, you know, scholars say because she was listed first in the writings of Paul, that she was probably the stronger leader and that he would have listed the stronger leader first, you know, so to speak. So I, I find a lot of comfort there. But I would say to other women, you know, there's Deborah in the Bible, if you feel called to politics or government. There's, I love the daughters of Zeliophat in the Old Testament, these like hidden ladies. They're yeah. like developers, they're like real estate people. They're thinking about land. So if you're in real estate, if you're in development, well, then study some things, you know, from the daughters of Zeliophat. There's so many different women in the Bible that did different things. And of course, the all time classic woman in the Bible is the Proverbs 31 woman, yes. which sometimes we want just to slap her because she's so, <laughs> she's so perfect. But, you know, for stay-at-home moms, for entrepreneurs, I mean, for all of us, really, she's such a great role model. And there's so much to glean out of Proverbs 31. So I would just encourage women, because I remember reading the Bible way back when I felt called to the ministry and thinking, Lord, you don't ever say anything about the women, it felt like at first. Yeah. And we see the phrase sons a lot. And yes. every now and then we see handmaidens, you know, so I was kind of feeling discouraged by that. But then, but then ultimately the Holy Spirit shined the light on all the places in the Bible, which is a lot yeah. where he does talk about his daughters and he does talk about women and these leaders in the Bible begin to, you know, come forth that the light was shown on them for me to go, wow, there's a lot of women in the Bible that God used and that God is still using. And so, you know, be encouraged, whatever sector you feel called to, whatever area you're in, maybe find a role model, a mentor in the pages of scripture. I love that. You know, it's it's interesting. I even think about how when in Jesus's time, like he, he the fact that he allowed Mary to find him first right. in his time, her testimony wouldn't have been something that people would have even cared about. But the fact that he said, that's who's going to first find that I'm no longer in the tomb. I think there's, and to your point, some of the things with Paul that you mentioned, I think that we can find that the leaders, uh, some of the leaders that we follow in the Bible, they had a different mindset than what we may see today in the church with women. And so, oh. so it's, it's definitely a paradigm shift when you think about the fact that Jesus was happy to let a woman be the first person to give the good news that he was no longer in the tomb. That's, I mean, that's isn't pretty that powerful. Funny? Isn't that funny? Of all the people he could have picked, yeah. he picks a woman to make sure that the gospel gets started after the resurrection. So that's encouraging for us women. The other one that's encouraging, of course, is the woman at the well. Yeah. That she gets saved and goes back. And the Bible says she told all the men in the city <laughs> about Jesus. So that, you know, that kind of silences some arguments as well. So I think there's lots of encouragement in scripture. And and really, I, I want to encourage women too, because there's so much to be said about team, about, about men and women working together. Yes. We're not trying to put men down or raise women up. We're trying to co-labor husbands and wives, men and women, and uh, and do what God's called us to do. 
I love that. So I would love for you to be a futurist just for a moment. And when you think about, you know, women and the church, like where do you see, where do you see this going in terms of, do you see doors opening for women in the future? Um, I know in the American church is more prominent, but I even think about some of the churches overseas where maybe women don't even have a a voice or, or don't even lead in the church. And then there's other places where, Women are leading the movement in other countries. Yeah. Like they are just leading it. That's right. I mean, we've heard great reports even out of Iran that women are leading the underground revival in Iran, which is wonderful, fantastic. I would say as I look ahead, I'm I'm really hopeful because I feel like for my generation and older, we didn't have really a lot of models to look at of women in leadership in the church. And so, you know, like begets like. And so if what I saw was no women leaders, then I didn't even think I could be one. But I think a lot of young girls are being raised now in churches where women have a high profile. And then they're saying, I could do that. And we're seeing that in our own church. I mean, I'm just astounded, really, and super blessed to see so many young women in our church that feel a call to ministry, teaching, preaching, leading, that to them is normal. And I'm like, yes. So I, I think the more that people see that, and there's so many churches now where women do get a high profile alongside men, I think we're going to see it continue to mushroom. And that's a good thing. That's a great thing for the gospel and for the body of Christ. Wow. Um, I, you know, I'm just kind of thinking about even in, in, in your own personal life, like, what did it look like to hear that you were called? Like, how did you know that God was calling you into the ministry? <laughs> that's a good question. Well, see, I was in college at the time studying biology because I wanted to be a dentist because I love teeth. And you have really great teeth, by the way. Thank you. (laughs) You do. And so I wanted to be a dentist until one day a Bible study leader came to my dorm and shared with me Romans chapter 10. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord can be saved. How then can they call on him and whom they have not heard? And how can they believe? And, you know, all the scriptures that say, how can they hear unless there's a preacher? And so I said to the Lord in that moment, I said, well, Lord, if you're looking for preachers, that's all, that's all you need is preachers so people can hear so they can be saved. I'll do that. Whatever that means. I have no idea. Now, I was raised Roman Catholic and I'm super thankful for my upbringing. Like I, I so appreciated my upbringing being raised Catholic. And yet in my upbringing, the only thing women did was to become a nun. And I knew that wasn't God's plan for me. So I didn't even realize I had no awareness there was any controversy about women. I just wow. thought that's looking for preachers. And if he needs preachers, Lord, sign me up. I'll do whatever. Little did I know, you know, till many years <laughs> later that, uh, oh, I, I get it. <laughs> But I, I no regrets. I'm super happy to have answered the call and feel, you know, honored that that God would let any of us, you know, represent him here as his ambassadors and preach the gospel. And so girls, just push on through. Keep preaching. I love that. What would you say to people who do feel called to ministry in some form or fashion, but maybe they're in a church that doesn't necessarily, they don't see a lot of women uh, in leadership positions. How can they still, if they still feel called to that church, how can they find those outlets in other ways? Yeah. Well, I think that's a great question. I mean, you know, there's that saying, go where you're celebrated, not tolerated. And I think there's a lot of truth to that little phrase. While at the same time, you know, it might be good to to sit down and have a conversation with those that, you know, that lead you, share what's in your heart, see if that opens some doors. If you get pushback, you know, maybe read Breaking Through the Stained Glass Ceiling and pass it on to somebody who's sort of resisting a woman's role in leadership. You know, find prayerfully find ways to use the gifts God's given you. And in a worst case scenario, I mean, you know, sometimes we have to 
we have to move on to places where those gifts aren't squandered because otherwise you'll get to the end of your life with regret and you'll look back and you'll go, Lord, I never got to use any of that stuff. And that's a heartbreaking hope deferred makes the heart sick, but desire fulfilled is a tree of life. So I want to encourage some of the gals there. Don't, don't let your hopes be deferred indefinitely. Yeah. You You know, I think a lot about Joyce Meyer too, who, you know, when she got into leadership, they basically told her to to leave her church because she was starting to, you know, teach and preach. And so I know growing up, that was one of the the women that I saw along with Colleen at Victory Church. But that, you know, there was very few women that I was even seeing in, in leadership positions, holding a microphone, preaching the gospel. So even just finding some of those inspirations around you to, to look up to, whether or not you you know them or have a relationship with them or not. Sometimes that can really spur your faith on. Yeah, totally. And and of course we know your pastors, pastors Dennis and Colleen, and they're amazing. They're amazing husband and wife team and each strong in their own right. And right. I encourage people to do just what you said, find those mentors. And thankfully with the internet and all kinds of things out there now, people can find mentors that maybe they don't know personally, as you said, and maybe they're not in the same city, but you know, yeah, find people that you can go, okay, that, they're similar in gifting, and that encourages me to keep moving forward. Okay, I have a personal question. Is it challenging co-leading alongside your husband? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's super amazing and awesome, and we love it. And it's challenging, too, in a lot of ways. At least it was in the early days, because we're figuring each other out. We're figuring out each other's leadership gifts and strengths and weaknesses, and we had to get over stereotypes. Well, you should do that because you're the man. I should do that because I'm the woman rather than no, let's find out who's good at what. And so the first couple of years, it was a little rough to figure all that out. But I'll tell you, we 30 years later, we love working together. We love serving the Lord together. And the beauty is we're Velcroed to each other, it seems like, because we're together all the time and uh, leading the church and teaching and preaching. And it's it's a blessing. You know, it's definitely a blessing, although like every everybody's career path or marriage, you, know, you got to work through, you got to work through some challenges here and there. But overall, I would put a stamp of approval. I love it. Yeah, it's funny. My husband and I just recently started working together a year and a half ago. And recently, we were on a conference call together. And he texted me and said, you're cutting me off, you need to back off. And I was like, Oh, sorry. <laughs> but it's it's just funny when you're starting to work with your husband, you're like, Okay, this is, we're gonna have to figure each other out here. Because yeah, I'll mention to you one thing that we kind of learned is if we were in a staff meeting together or an executive team meeting and he and I co-leading it, and if maybe he said something that kind of hurt my feelings in the meeting or I felt maybe maybe look, you know, bad or something, or if I cut him off or if I kind of, you know, jumped in when I shouldn't have, we learned smile and keep the meeting going. But after the meeting, <laughs> he and I would have some good little <laughs> conversations about like, it's got to hurt my feelings, you know, or anyways, we, we would have some honest conversations and kind of have figured it out. You know, you, eventually you do figure it out. And it's good. To, it's good to have those either texts, as you just said, or some tough conversations, but it's yeah. fun to work together. I mean, ultimately it's fun to work together. I love that you guys have figured out that rhythm. Cause I do think there's a, there's a rhythm to that. And so that makes it really beautiful. Well, I would love any final thoughts that you have for our listeners. And I would love for you just to spend maybe in those final thoughts, telling us just a little bit more about your, about your book. Sure. Well, my final thought, you know, I always tell young girls, I say this, don't throw gutter balls. Mm-hmm. And what that means is when I was in seventh grade, I went bowling with the boys and my mother said, don't beat the boys in bowling. So as we were bowling, if I was starting to do better, I would throw gutter balls on purpose to not beat the boys. Wow. 
And I find sometimes there's a mindset with girls. They, they sometimes just don't want to be that successful or as successful as they could for fear of appearing, you know, ambitious or being good or whatever. And it's like, no, throw that out. Just use your gifts. Don't throw gutter balls. Go for it. And yeah. God will bless it. You'll find your you'll find your rhythm and your gift will make a way. So I just want to champion and encourage the girls in leadership. And as far as my books and things, they can just find out really all the resources we have are at thebasicswithbeth.com. And the book, Breaking Through the Stained Glass Ceiling, I think every woman, every husband should read it if they feel called because it'll settle your heart on what the Bible says about God's calling in your life. And historically, we look at lots of stuff. I mean, I really do highly encourage girls to read it, let their heart get established in it, and let the men in their life also read it and be supportive. I love that. Well, guys, you can also follow Beth on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube as well. Beth, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Natalie. Well, thank you for joining us for the Thrive Today podcast. Be sure to follow, subscribe, and share this episode on your social media channels. And you know what? If you haven't taken the step to get in community, I want to ask you a question. What are you waiting for? So head over to thrivetoday.com and sign up to be a part of our incredible community. Ladies, as you live your life, we want to remind you to do it with leadership, community, and strength. We'll see you next time.